Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I've got Nina C. Payne here with me. She is the author of Moments in Time. It's an awesome, awesome novel. Uh, but it's kind of like a true story, too. She's gone through some things, and she lives in Solona Beach, uh, California, and she's a poet, a novelist, a wife, a uh, mother of two, and a registered yoga instructor, so she's a little busy, just to say the least. Uh, but this book is amazing uh, after uh, her uh, – well, I'll, I'll, I'll let you tell – I'll let her tell the story, but this is it's a powerful book. Uh, Nina, are you with me? Yes, I'm listening. I'm here. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show with me today. This is uh, this is a very inspiring book, um, but it's also a book that's a painful book uh, to read. Uh, but it's so inspiring at the same time. Can you share what, what inspires you to write this book? You know what, and, 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 and from a fiction perspective, because it's versus <laughs> a, a nonfiction. Yeah, you know, I, originally I was I thought about writing a story when my brother became ill with cancer in 2008. I thought, you know, someday I'll write a story about our journey together. And of course, that started way back in childhood. We were always so very, very close. And I was gonna, you know, the how, the how old was my, it? What was the age uh, age range? Uh, my brother was, um, we, there was four years between us. He's four years older than I am. Okay. Well, he's deceased now, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I was going to write a story, nonfiction, A Sister's Journey of Brother's Love, and then after his passing, it was just so painful to write it in its truest sense. And I really have a great respect for people who can write nonfiction because for me, it's such a, we each have our own perspective. So mm -hmm, I did, mm -hmm. you know, and with different family members, and I was basically, you know, as Cassandra was in the story, I had a directive over my brother's health care, and I had to make some really rough decisions because what differs in the story, and I'll give a background about the story in a minute, is that my brother actually did lose his faculties, and I did have to make medical decisions for him, and I had to make the decision to stop treatment. Wow. So, yeah, so it was a really, and of course there was some divisiveness about that and some dissension in the family. Some were for, some were against, and I had to carry out what I believed were my brother's wishes and what I knew to be his wishes. So what inspires this story was my brother was um, diagnosed with terminal cancer in 2008 and was originally given a diagnosis of four to six months to live. On the outside, they gave him 12. But he ended up living four years beyond that. Mm. And, yeah, so it was a year after his – my father actually – my brother died in July of 2012, and then my beloved father died in 2012 of December, four months later, of a broken heart. You know, his mm. aorta had ruptured, so really quite literally. 
So I fell into this deep, dark place, and it was so dark. And I never, I couldn't understand how somebody can go through this kind of pain and come to it, come through to it on the other side, in any kind of a successful manner. So, were you married then with kids uh, at this time? I had children, I was married, and the things that people kept telling me, and I should probably write a book on what not to say when somebody's going through grief, is, oh, you have your children to live for and you have your husband, but really when somebody's in that kind of despair, that falls on deaf ears. You're not really hearing it. You understand the logic of it, but the emotions Mm -hmm. aren't following a suit with, with, with that. But it wasn't until I went to Boston, and it was the the year anniversary of my brother's death, literally that week. And for some reason, I, maybe it was getting away from California and being out of this environment, but I was down to 89 pounds. I wasn't eating. I wasn't sleeping. I was just really grief-stricken. But I had written a poem, and the last line of that poem said, My dear friend, in the simplicity of life, all the opposites are equal. And I kept kept going through my head almost like this mantra I'm like why is this just sticking with me like this song you can't get out of your head Mm -hmm. and I realized what it was trying to tell me when the grief that I was feeling and the despair that I was feeling and the pain that I was feeling was so deep and something so intense like I'd never felt before well then the opposite of that had to be true and that's when I kind of came alive again and I started to see hope and flickers of desire and and um, just a – the hopefulness is the only way I can describe it. And I started to eat and I started to taste food again and I started to get back to my yoga mat and slowly – Uh, this awakening started happening inside of me and I started to smile sincerely again and laugh from my heart again. And it was all these little baby steps that I started taking. When I came back from Boston, I sat down and the floodgates opened and I could not stop writing Moments in Time for four to five months straight. And it's also a a forbidden love story. So it's all, it's multi-layered. You know, she feels these feelings for her yoga instructor and she's going through this thing with her brother who has terminal cancer and it really just shows and then she has a best friend Cassandra is the antagonist in the in the book is that right she's the antagonist and then then daniel who is the one that she has these these forbidden feelings for and this forbidden desire and attraction to it was so potent and so powerful it was like a bomb to her senses you know when you're going through something like death and watching someone die mm-hmm. you know the opposite of that you know can soothe you and something that gives you life and makes you feel alive again and Cassandra was drawn to that and attracted to that although it wasn't healthy she was married with two children but she explored it and wanted to discover it and wanted to feel that vulnerability on the opposite end of course death makes you feel vulnerable but imagine passion you know and desire that also makes you feel vulnerable and open and open but one feels so much better than the other so you gravitate towards one well, how cathartic was it to write this in a fiction manner? I mean, you got a chance to kind of really blow it out. I did, and that was what was so much fun for me because a lot of the Because I would think happened. if you did a nonfiction version, it would have been cathartic, but it would have been excruciatingly painful. Very much so. And this I could add a lot of how I wish things could have happened. Yeah, and I could fantasize yeah. and I could escape. So it, that's the best word, and I, that's probably the first time in an interview I've used it. It was my escape. I was able to kind of create a, a different reality, like a parallel universe. Okay, this is what happened, mm-hmm. but shouldn't it have happened like this? You know? sure. so, yeah, so it was, it's actually a very beautiful, multi-layered love story with conflict. And um, I have a sequel 
So there's still a lot of resolution and, and things that Cassandra is still discovering on her journey. Oh, fantastic. Now, do you, do, do you have a writing background? Is this the first time you've written before? Or? Well, I've been writing since I was a child, and I never in my life imagined I would share that or really put that out there. And it wasn't until after my brother and father passed, I, I was like, God, life's just too short. And my brother was mm-hmm. always telling me, you need to share this gift you have. Having a gift is great, but sharing it with the world is, is, is another thing. Mm-hmm. And I never had the courage. I was frightened of rejection and frightened, you know, people might not like it. And I got a lot of gratification just writing for myself. But then in November, I started my Facebook page of 2015, uh, I'm sorry, 2014, and now I, I mean, I started with zero followers, and now I have thirty-seven, close to thirty-seven thousand followers mm-hmm. of people mm-hmm. following and reading my poetry, and it's just been so healing, and I've been received so well in the community and abroad, and it's really been wonderful for me to be able to cross those boundaries of fear and, um, you know, fear of being rejected and being vulnerable, and and it's all it's all okay, it's all really good. How did you develop the characters? Because um, it's so it's so multi layered. You said you, you mm-hmm. knocked it out in four months, four or five months. I did. <laughs> I'm like what? And I'm like this is you the whole time. You knew these people. You know, I couldn't stop writing. It was you know I went from a mother who was very hands on, three meals a day, and very much involved with. Well, I was still involved with my, but. In a different level, I, I just I couldn't stop writing, and it, the characters, you know, a lot of them are inspired by real life people in my life. Of course, as writers, we write what we know, so and then we can take it. For, you know, Stephen King puts it best. He says that um, that fic- fiction is the truth between the lies. So mm. I love that quote because although the story, of course, is based on a lot of real life events. And it is fiction, there are some lies, but the emotions, and I think everyone will get this when they read the, the story, the emotions are very, very real. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you didn't skimp on that at all. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not, not at all. So, dude, so coming out of this, on the other side of this, after writing this, uh, uh, we kind of get the idea in the book, but do you believe that things happen for a reason? You know, I believe things happen in our in our lives to show us more of who we are. We can't control what happens to us, but we certainly can decide how we're going to react to it. You know, we can do what I did for the longest time, which was kind of just, you know, I was withering away, literally, and be in despair and get stuck there. And that's a normal process. And as soon mm-hmm. as I learned how to embrace that pain and make it my companion and not be afraid of it, um, I, I learned to grow from that and evolve from that and learn that, you know, it like anything, it's temporary. It's going to be here and it's fleeting and it's going to go and life has its ups and its downs. But how we react is up to us. Are we going to be victims of our circumstances or are we going to be victors? That's mm-hmm. our choice. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, in terms of death, you can't get out of life alive, right? But no. it's, it's one of those things where uh, – it, it, it doesn't matter how it comes. If you know it's coming, it's very painful. And, you know, the death of your brother, which was kind of elongated and drawn out, the sudden death of your father, uh, it's, it's, death is just a very painful thing on so many levels. And then, of course, it depends uh, who it is and, and who they are to you. 
how do you how do you counsel someone uh, that uh, has not faced the, the, those levels uh, of death and the emotions that you really feel for the first time because you've never felt them before? Right. Well, the one thing is understanding, and I do work with caregivers and, and cancer patients. And you know, one of one of the things is you know when that process happens and the person, the loved one, does pass. It, there is this initial relief, when it, especially when it's something like not sudden. It's something that you've watched happen. And, and, and my brother went through such a humiliating process of this. It was just so inhumane, and I became so angry at cancer and this entity that doesn't even really exist in a tangible sense. But So it, it's be patient with yourself and be kind to yourself and be compassionate and allow the feelings to come up and surface. Don't try, as I did for a long time, to just ignore them or push them away because they will keep coming up and it will hit you over the head like a two-by-four. And, and you just have to really address it and, and understand it and accept that it's there and it, it will it will go and it will come and it will go. And if you're doing things to nurture yourself, if you're doing things that make you happy and give you joy, when those bad moments come or the hard moments come, you're much better able to deal with them. But you have to do the work. It's like people have this saying, time heals all wounds. Well, time doesn't do anything. It's like you know, going to a train station and not jumping on board when it comes. You have to do the work. You have to take mm-hmm. steps to get onto the train to heal. So there's steps towards healing, and it's it's really not as complicated as sometimes we make it out to be. We get in our own way and think it's a lot more complicated. It really isn't. It's baby steps and doing even a long shower that feels so good with the warm water and learning to appreciate it and be present mm-hmm, in that. Mm-hmm. All the little things, the food that we eat, chewing it and being grateful for it and, and enjoying it and savoring it and savoring every moment. You know, yeah, it, so... On the other side of this, mm-hmm. you have a successful book. Didn't know it was going to be successful, as, as successful as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also now is kind of a constant reminder. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that uh, in terms of your own personal healing? You know, it's it's been interesting because, you know, again, with my Facebook page and, and with the many people who I have following and I've developed kind of like these personal relationships with some of them and I receive a lot of emails in my author's email from my website and people reaching out and wondering how to deal with this so I feel like it's healing for me because I'm able to give back I'm able to counsel people in a way you know it's interesting because I was asked one time if I felt like I was a you know um, what was an expert in grief and I'm like, anybody who's gone through it and has gotten to the other side in a successful way doesn't need an MD at the end of their name or a psychologist PhD <laughs> at the right. end of their name. You know, they're very qualified, not in a clinical way. I can't deal with clinical depression, but if somebody is suffering through grief and in the sense that it's an emotional pain, I can help with that. And I'm glad that I've given people a voice and, and been able to put, you know, words to people's emotions because I think that sometimes that's very difficult for people to put sure. words to what they're feeling. So, so sure. to give people that voice is very powerful and I don't take it for granted. And there is not a person that I don't respond to that makes a comment on my Facebook page. Not mm. one. 
I respond to, I had on one post <laughs> over 600 comments, and I responded to each and every one. Nobody manages my page for me. I manage it. And I'm grateful for every like and for every share and for every comment that I receive. That's amazing. How did this affect your marriage and your children? You know, my marriage, of course, you know, it did go through a period where I just was so emotionally shut down and emotionally distant. And my children were really the one thing that I focused on that gave me the most amount of joy, and I wasn't afraid of being vulnerable and loving them to the utmost. And that was basically the only relationship that I had going through that terrible time that was almost like my anchor and Mm -hmm. in my life vest. It kept me from drowning because they needed me. And so all of my energy was put there. So I was able to love them without feeling fear. And then slowly that transcended to other people in other areas of my life. And I I stopped being so shut down. And then I opened up. And that's the awakening and blossoming that I speak of where I become much more open to people and, and to intimacy. And, you know, you can have intimacy in many different types of relationships, not just, uh, you know, a love romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. So I allow that intimacy now where even before my brother, I was very, you know, was very structured, very disciplined, very closed off in a way. And people sometimes looked at that as being arrogant and aloof, but it really wasn't. It was a, it was a defense mechanism of mine. Mm, wow. The the uh, subtitle of Moments in Time says, when one heart opens, two hearts collide. That's fascinating to me. Explain that. So basically, Cassandra in, in the story is just like I had described um, about my own self. She was very structured and very disciplined and didn't let many people in. She had a very small circle of friends. Mm-hmm. And then when she meets this yoga and the studio director and the yoga instructor for the very first time, she is feeling these things that she hasn't felt in, in ever. And she doesn't understand them and she doesn't she doesn't really like them because A, she's married and B, she doesn't even know what to do with that. She doesn't know what reckless abandon feels like. She doesn't know what that kind of intimacy feels like. So when she decides that she wants to discover it and she wants to explore it, even at the risk of many things in her life, and then going through the things with her brother even made her more vulnerable and open to such a thing. Mm -hmm. So that's basically where that uh, was drawn from. So her heart opened, and then their two hearts collided. Now, of course, you're a yoga instructor mm-hmm. uh, yeah. by trade. Uh, how long have you been doing yoga? I've been doing yoga since 1997. So, so you've been doing it for years. a long, yeah, long time. Yeah. So, so how do you uh, how how do you how do you use yoga to heal? Obviously, you use it to heal your body, to heal your mind. How do you use it to heal your spirit, the broken heart? Oh wow! It was catalyst in healing my broken heart. Uh, every day that I got back to my mat. Um, it helps keep me centered and passionate and just so present. The thing with yoga is you can't be anywhere else other than where you are in that moment connected with mm. your breath. Mm-hmm. And it, so being so present and being so immersed in the moment of what you're doing, and once you've been especially doing it long enough, you take that off of the mat as well. And I knew that yoga was something that would help me feel good again, but I rejected mm-hmm. feeling good for a long time. 
So yoga does so much for me on an emotional and mental and spiritual level and keeps me present and balanced in my central nervous system calm. And, you know, there's this thing that that I've learned through yoga is that if we are in a tense situation or feeling angry and we take long inhalations in and long exhalations out, it's virtually impossible to be stressed or angry or mad. It really is. And I challenge your viewing, you know, your hearing audience to try it. It's wow. impossible. It is impossible. You can't. You'll you'll eventually calm down. You will learn the anger will dissipate or the stress will dissipate and you'll find that center space again and that balance with Just yourself. in the breathing alone. That's amazing. Just in the breathing, definitely. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah, when people tell me they don't have time for yoga, it's a total cop out. It's like, Well, do you have your breath? <laughs> don't you take it everywhere you go? Yeah, okay. Then you can do yoga. <laughs> so I like that. that. I like that. I like that a lot. So, so you're working on a sequel. You're, you're saying at the beginning of this that that there's more to this story uh, yeah. than the first one. Uh, how so? You know, the the story kind of ends very open ended, and you know, it, it's still there's st- still so much of Cassandra's journey left to explore her relationship with her husband Steve her relationship with Daniel the relationship with her friendship with Mark and it's it's it really is a part two and in the ending of uh, moments in time screen sequel a lot of the readers who read it were very upset (laughs) some of them like what it's over (laughs) but never fear (laughs) there's another one coming that should kind of I don't think you know, life is one tidy little ending. I don't think I don't believe in these perfect little tidy endings. So who knows how it will end? But it will definitely offer some more answers to what Cassandra has gone through. Unbelievable! This is fantastic, Nina. Uh, you are amazing. Um, what do you do to just relax? And I know you do yoga, but I mean, is there something else that you do that is a catharsis for you, a way to rejuvenate and give back to yourself? Yes, believe it or not, this is going to be hard to believe. Um, So back in September of 2014, I picked up something that I'd always wanted to do and thought, oh, well, maybe another lifetime. I'm I'm probably too old for this. I've taken up drums, and I drum. I have a full drum kit. Yeah, I I love music. (laughs) Never saw that coming. I I did not see that coming. (laughs) I know, right? <laughs> you can see me behind my kit. Just I'm thinking motorcycle, maybe. I'm saying, you know, maybe she's cooking or something, taking a step lesson. Nope, drumming. Didn't see that coming. I'm drumming. I'm really? Great. I always used to say, you know, in my next life I want to be a rock star, but why wait? I can be a rock star behind closed doors. Nobody ever has to hear me. I'm my own rock star. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So if, so if I hear about Cassandra uh, with a drum set in the next week, <laughs> yes. I'm going to come to you, okay? I'm just saying, you okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's fantastic. That's fantastic. All right, so you're on tour and uh, doing a lot of uh, 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 a lot of media and press. How has uh, the media uh, uh, taken to to Cassandra? Taken to moments in time? 
you know, very, very positively because I think there's something in the story that everyone can relate to. Sure. And, you know, we're, we all are vulnerable and we all make decisions sometimes that maybe aren't our, in our best interest. And I think if somebody takes a closer look when they're reading and they try to read the book with an open heart and, and learn to not just to judge a person's circumstance or what they're going through. And if we, you know, if we open our hearts and have compassion for another person's struggle, and not judge it, you know. It's like that's their journey, and, and let's respect that. We mm-hmm. have our own, and we don't always make the the most best and optimum choices. We're human. We're fallible, and and that's life. And you know, I would rather live that kind of life than a life of safety and mediocrity any day of the year. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what's your web? Is is it Nina C. Payne? Yes, uh, and my last com. name is spelled P A Y N E. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say spell the last name. So Nina C dot com. What will people mm-hmm. find when they go on there? You know, you'll find where to buy my book, Moments in Time. It can be purchased through Amazon or Barnes and Noble, um, iTunes, whatever you know anybody's personal preference is. And also, there's um, a link to my um, my uh, excuse me my poetry. The best place to find my poetry is just to click right from that link to my Facebook page. I have images that go with the poetry, and that would be the best place to to read my poetry, because there's a lot of the poetry that I have on my Facebook page that I haven't updated on my website yet. Here's a stupid question that I always ask about poets. How do you, what inspires you to write a poem? Oh my gosh, the least little thing. It's crazy, right? It's not crazy. It's it's a very, very good question, and I find inspiration in many different situations. And I'm not the most festive writer. Um, I I really write a lot about grief and heartache and, and um, unrequited love I write a lot about. So um, what inspires me is past experiences, present experiences, things I've gone through, and even imaginary experiences, fantasies. So I can take the least little thing. I can take losing a cell phone and turn it into this unrequited love. <laughs> People are like, what is she talking about? Well, I lost my pen today and it was dead. Does your, does your husband walk around in complete paranoia all the time? He just doesn't know what's real and what isn't anymore. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? When I was writing Moments in Time, I had said to him, I said, oh, I've got to read you this because Mark is, is her best friend, Cassandra's best friend in the story. I said, you will not believe what Mark just said. And I read it to him and he says, honey, you said that. <laughs> I got so into my characters. I couldn't separate me from them. I'm like, no, but that was really Mark. Mark speaks like that. <laughs> oh, this is great. It was a lot of fun. Nina, I want you now, when the next one comes out, you got to come back on the show. Oh, I would love it. It was so yeah. nice being here with you. Absolutely. Nina C. Payne, ladies and gentlemen, the book is Moments in Time. Uh, NinaCPayne.com, and that's Payne, uh, spelled P-A-Y-N-E.com. Amazing book, amazing poetry, but more so an amazing person. Thank you so much for being with me, my dear. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. All right, you take care. I'm talk to you soon, okay? Okay, you take care, too. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye.